Well, good morning, Moberly. How are you this morning? Uh, and thank you, Paul. Uh, you, you said exactly what I wrote down, so I appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, welcome to those who are watching by live stream and also our Mar uh, Marshall. Your Marshall campus uh, is live streaming as well, but uh, welcome and thank you for having me uh, here. You can take your Bibles if you'd like and turn to Mark chapter 9 and kind of put your uh, finger there, your marker there as we get started. Um, I want to... Uh, just talk about our storyline. It's amazing to me how um, God just constantly moves. Uh, somebody came to my office. Uh, I'm a pastor of a, a church now. I've been pastoring for 10 years, and somebody walked in and said, hey, I'm thinking about leaving the church. And I said, well, uh, you know, let me know, let me know why you're leaving. And they said, well, I just don't feel like God's moving here. And I said, oh, really? I said, uh, uh, they said, yeah, I just don't feel like God's moving here. And I said, well, um, you can't imagine how God is moving because at that point, God was saving marriages. We had uh, baptized many people and people were coming closer to the Lord. And I asked this person, I said, hey, uh, did you, uh, are you involved in a community group or a Bible study group? No. I said, you know, do you, are you involved in any type of uh, service here? Are you in any type of ministry? He said, no. And I said, so you come one time a week and you're going to tell me God's not moving here. And I said, well, uh, you're missing it because I get to see God move all the time. As a pastor, you get to see how God really moves. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, that God's always making these touches uh, to people's lives that we don't even realize and we don't even imagine. Uh, when I was uh, in middle school, uh, I, I, I decided to go out to play football. And uh, what you don't know about me is I am not a sports person. I, uh, you may look at me and go, wow, you look like you'd be a sports person, but um, I'm not. Uh, Y'all didn't have to laugh at that, but uh, I, I, I was asked to, to come onto the football team as a 14-year-old, and I said, yeah, sure. One of the coaches asked me, and we started practicing, and the first week was really kind of nice. It was just we were doing agility drills. We weren't wearing our pads. It wasn't, you know, it was hot, but it, I was enjoying it. And then they made us put on our full gear, which was, I don't know, when you're in junior high, if you look at these junior high kids, uh, we look like a bunch of Oompa Loompas out there. You know what I mean? Because we we're so small and everything's so big. And uh, when I decided not to play football was a, a couple of times. Uh, one was they would put us across from one another. And then the coaches would put us across from another. Now, there may be some coaches in here. But uh, they put us across from another, and they get us on the line. And I was, uh, they were putting me in the center position. So they were teaching how to get off the line very quick. They put us three to five yards across from another. And uh, I just could not get off the line very quick. So the, the time, by the time I got to the guy, they had gotten out of the way, and I could never make contact. And so uh, Coach George Pachuca, that was his name, Coach Pachuca, he grabbed me by the helmet, uh, you know, and he, he grabbed me, and he grabbed the other guy by the shoulder pads, and he began to tell me how to hit between the numbers. And with every, uh, every time he would say, I want you to hit between the numbers, he would grab my helmet and he would grab that shoulder pad and he would just ram us together. And, and, and that's when I began to go, I don't think I like this. And he said, do you understand? How come you can't? And he'd hit me on the helmet. How come you can't do this? And he just kept on doing it. And then he 
looked at the crowd of guys and said, do you understand? I want you to make contact. And he brought us together. And he said, get on the line, camarada. And he said, I want you to hit him right between the numbers. Well, by then, I'm down, and I'm going, okay, which one? There was like three of them now because he had just taken me and, and, and just kept, uh, you know, running me into him. And what he was teaching us uh, is how to make contact. He said, you have to make contact. For those of you who know football, the first one that makes contact and goes up underneath, and if you're a coach, you know this, if you get up underneath, you run everything. You can push that guy to the right. You can push that guy to the left. You can push that guy out of the way. And he was trying to say, I want you to make contact. I want you to make contact. And all throughout our lives, God is constantly making contact with us. That's what I want you to know today. That he's constantly making contact. And his truth is making contact with people, whether you see it or not. And that's why I started with this story. Many people say, well, I don't feel God moving. I always tell people, don't go by what you feel, go by what you know. People say, I don't feel saved. I go, don't go by what you feel, go by what you know. Do you know that you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Did you know that you invited him into your heart? Do you remember where you were? If you don't, do you know? Yes, I know. Well, then don't go by what you feel, go by what you know. Now, we all know that Jesus says, I've, I've come to give life and, and life abundantly. We also know that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that word truth is a little Greek word that I love. It's called aletheia, and it means everything solid, everything valid, and everything sure. If we were to take that Greek word, break it down, and put it in the sentence, and Jesus were to have said, though, that to give that picture of solid, valid, and sure, he would have said, I am the way, I am everything solid about your life, I'm everything who validates who you are in your life, and I'm everything sure in your life, and you are nothing without me. And he wants that truth to make contact with other people. In Mark chapter 9, verses 14, 14 through 29, we see a great story. Now, remember, two-thirds of the Bible are narratives, and it's a, it's a great narrative that many, many times that uh, we pass over what people go through during these narratives. We look at all the theological parts of a message, and I think that's very important. So if you're one of those people, today I'm not going to talk about the theological uh, process of prayer and fasting. That's not what I'm going to do. But I want you to look at the story. I want you to understand what is going on and put yourself in this story. Remember, Peter, James, and John had gone up and they had watched uh, Jesus be transfigured. They'd watched him change. What's this? They had, they had seen uh, Jesus change, and they had also uh, watched this cloud come out. They had also seen Moses and Elijah in the conversation, which I think was pretty wild. And then they also heard the voice of God basically say, um, hey, you need to keep your mouth shut because I'm not pleased with you, but I'm pleased with my son. And they went flat on the ground, and then Jesus tapped them on the shoulder and said, let's go. And as they're walking down, notice this, this is what Peter and James and John have just experienced. They were probably fearful, elated, confused, and they were walking with Jesus, probably quiet, going through their mind of what they just witnessed. And as they, they begin to walk into this town, here is the story we're walking into. So put yourself 
in these people's shoes, and you can imagine that their storyline, and that's what I call this this morning, your storyline is constantly being contacted with truth. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says, when they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the scribes disputing with them. And when the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed, and they ran to greet him. And he asked them, well, what are you arguing about? So as they're coming down a hill or they're going to a street, they're watching this argument. They all make their way to Jesus. He says, what are you arguing about? Verse 17, someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, rabbi, I brought my son to you. Now, they didn't bring the son to him personally, but what they did is they said, when we bring our people to those who are under your teaching, they should be able to do the things that you do. They have taught you how to do this. You have taught them how to do this. We brought them to you by way of them. And listen, he says, uh, he, says he has a spirit. I, I brought my son to you, and he has a spirit that makes him able to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. He becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. And he replied to them, oh, you unbelieving generation, how long Will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Uh, many theological discussions say, well, who did he say that to? Did he say that to the disciples? And the people say, no, he, he didn't say it to the disciples. He was talking to the people. Either way, he said it. He said, oh, you unbelievers, you unbelieving generation. And then he said, so they brought the boy to him. He said, bring him here to me. And so they brought the boy to him. And when the Spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. And he fell to the ground, and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And I love this part because they're watching this happen. Are you there? there he is, they are all watching, and this darkness saw the light approaching through Christ, and it threw him into a fit. And he's rolling on the ground, and he's foaming at the mouth. And everybody, the crowd's just kind of backing up, going, what's going on? And the disciples have just come down that, that mountain with him are watching this as well. And the other disciples are going, man, we couldn't handle this. What are you going to do? And very calmly, I can imagine, Jesus says this. Well, this guy is flopping around. I, it's almost, if I could put it into a, 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 a video, I think it would be something like him just looking at this guy going back and forth and everybody backing up. And he says, well, uh, how, long, uh, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father. From childhood, he said, and many times it has thrown him into the fire or the water to destroy him, to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I love that question, if you can. I imagine the Father up in heaven just, he had, Father and the Holy Spirit had to look at one another and go, did he just say, did he just say if we can? Does he know who I am? Now look what Jesus says. Jesus said, if you can, if you can, everything is possible who, uh, who believe, the one who believes. And immediately the father of the boy cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. You ever prayed that prayer? Father, help my unbelief. Help my faithfulness when it, when it needs to be strong and help my faithlessness when it's supposed to be strong as well. And when Jesus saw the crowd was quickly gathering, 
he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And then he came out, shrieking, throwing him into a terrible convulsions. And the boy became like a corpse, so that many said, he's dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. And after he had gone to the house, the disciple asked him privately, well, why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Now, like I said, we could talk about the prayer. We could talk about the demons. But all I want you to focus on this morning is these people's lives that made contact with truth. They made contact with truth. They made contact with everything valid, everything solid, and everything sure, and that was Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that truth is always out there waiting for us. And, and uh, uh, this guy's life was changed forever because Jesus had touched him. But don't forget the other people around, the, the frustrated disciples that couldn't, couldn't somehow get that demon out of him. They were frustrated, but they saw and made contact with truth, and they saw what God could do. What about the desperate father who saw what Jesus did, and because he saw it and he witnessed it, he had his boy back. The boy who was changed forever, that everybody thought had died, and then he got up, and he was in his right mind. There were so many people attached to this story that you can't even imagine the lives that were changed. So when somebody tells me I don't feel the movement of God, I always go, wow, I see God moving all around us. Some of you sit in your cars and you're down or you're wondering about something and the perfect song comes on for you. Do you really think that that's just what that DJ decided to play? Or do you really think that God could do anything he wants in a radio station and everybody else could be hearing one song, but you're hearing this one specifically, specifically for you. If you don't believe that God can do that, well, you don't know the God that I believe in because he can. He can do anything he wants to. But I do know this, he is constantly moving and he's constantly trying to make contact with believers and non-believers. They witness the truth in action. So I have four things I want you to learn today. Number one is this. You and I, and I put it in the I because I want you to say this about you. I have an ever-changing storyline. You ever notice that? Our lives are ever-changing. We have an ever-changing storyline. It's constantly changing. All right? Now, uh, you go, well, how is it changing? Well, cancer comes in our life. My, my wife got cancer years ago. It walked into our life. And it, 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 it changed who we were. We had a great relationship before, but through that cancer, it got even better. He's constantly moving. We have an ever-changing storyline. We embrace God. Now watch this. In your spiritual walk, you embrace God, and then there are times where what? You push him away. There are times where your faith is great, and there are times where you lack faith. 
There are times where people come into your life and cause you so much stress. And then there are ones who come into your, lo- your life and cause you to calm down. Our lives are ever-changing. We all are young, and then we get old. It's changing. Right? I mean, I used to be skinny. Now I'm not. And, and, and a lot of people with these flat stomachs, you know, you go, I'm never going to get there. Be careful. It's going to visit you. Hair starts growing out your ears. You got to shave more. You get tired uh, uh, doing things that uh, you, you, you never used to get tired doing. You don't get riled like you used to when you were young because we're changing. You meet a girl, right? I always tell teenagers, it's like uh, uh, for teenagers, they get up in the morning. And if you're a teenager, I'm not picking on it. It's just I speak to teenagers a lot. And it's like in the morning, their lives are like this. You ever notice that? They get up and they go, <sighs> look in the mirror. And they're going, oh, it's going to be a great day. And then they go, oh, no, there's something that showed up on my face. And their day goes down from there. They walk into class, and, and uh, uh, when they walk in, they're ready for class. But then all of a sudden, the teacher says, we're going to have a pop quiz. And their day goes like this. Then all of a sudden, the girl that they like, uh, if they're a boy, and the guy they like, if they're a girl, walks in and smiles at them. And then their life goes like this. You ever notice that? Some of you as adults, you, 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 you go to work and it's good, and then the first thing you get there, it's, it's downhill. Our lives are like that from everything that we go through. Our lives are uh, 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 ever-changing. But God has this never-changing storyline. John 3.16 will always be around. Romans 6.23 will always be with us. Jesus said that I am and the I am will be with us. Our lives are like this. We're the roller coaster. You ever seen those videos uh, where uh, the roller coaster ride, where there's always one person, all those things, those slingshots, the human slingshots, you know? And there's always one person that's just cringed and screaming the whole time. And there's always one person that's laughing. I love to watch those things. And one's just, ah! It's because that's us. Things go, we're, we're ever changing. And then there's a person that's just laughing, looking at you, trying to get you to enjoy the ride. You just can't enjoy it. You know, it used to be that when Christ came into uh, our lives, people used to think that we would say, oh, Lord, Lord I can't. I, I need you in my life. And God's like this. God's never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, he's just like this. And we're going like this. We say, oh, God, I want you to come into my life. Oh, please come into my life, God. I want you in my life. And for, for a long time, people were taught that this is what happens. And all of a sudden, we can have this consistent life. That's not what happens. The minute you and I uh, uh, come to know Christ, our lives are like this. We say, God, I need you in my life. God, I can't, I can't do this without you. Oh, God, please come into my life. And he said, are you ready? And you say, oh, yeah, I'm ready. And God goes, all right, here we go. And he does this. And he rides with us. And he's the one that says, focus on me. Enjoy this life I've given you. See me in this life. We're going to get through this. And at the end, it's going to be worth it. Listen, God has this never-changing storyline. It never changes. Listen, forever. He lived, he bled, he died, he rose. 
and he's coming back to get us. And guess what? Tomorrow, we know that he lived, he bled, he died, he rose, and he's coming back to get us. And listen, in a hundred years, if God still hasn't returned, you know what will be true? He lived, he bled, he died, he rose again, and he will come back to receive us. He is consistently consistent. Last thing I want you to know is God has this ever-reaching storyline. No one can stop the cause. Right now, there's a lot of uh, upheaval in the, in the Christian world, you know. Everybody's having dreams and visions. Be very leery of these people, okay? Uh, somebody called me the other day and said, hey, I saw this. This guy had a vision and a dream, and he told me this. So I said, okay, I'll watch it. And I watched it for, like, 18 minutes. The gospel was never presented, Right? The dreamer vision came to him in December, but he decides to tell everybody in June. Right? There was nothing, if it was real prophetic, listen, there was nothing that edified the church through the process. And I said, man, this is so unbiblical. Be careful. But I want you to know that even though things are like they are, God has this ever-reaching storyline. Nothing can stop his cause. The gospel will go on, church. And you can jump in and be a part of it, but if you don't, guess what? The gospel will go on because God has this ever-reaching storyline. And when you say to yourself, underneath your, underneath your breath or to somebody else, there's no hope for that guy, you don't understand the gospel. It's ever-reaching ever reaching. It's never too late for God to do a work if people will allow him. And all men will be without excuse. Romans 1.20 says, for God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. They will hear the gospel. They will see the gospel. It says, though, for though we know God, they, do they know God? They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, and they became fools. Man, God is always working. Truth is always moving. You cannot kill the gospel. There's a great, I want you to see how God's moving. Uh, people died for it yesterday. People will die for it today. And guess what? People will die for it in the future. Did you know what the oldest running organization in the world is? It's the church. The business world cannot understand how the church can keep on moving because it's the gospel. It's full of people who are full of the gospel. As of Friday, and I looked it up, the number one selling book in the entire world Listen, is the Bible. People still buy the Bible. As of 2020 in January, number one selling. I want to read a psalm for you in Psalm 147. You can join me just to set it up. Uh, 600 years before Christ was born, a, a group of people that we know about called the, the Babylonians destroyed the city of Jerusalem, right? And they took the people away from their country. And they took the people away from their country into Babylon and they became their slaves. We know that they were slaves for 70 years. And what the Babylonians did is they burnt the temple. They destroyed the city's wall. You may not know this, but Jerusalem, boy, listen. During its long history, did you know that Jerusalem has been destroyed twice, besieged 
uh, 23 times, attacked 52 times, captured and recaptured 44 times. But still, the people had this great faith that God was still moving. And that's what I want you to know. God's still moving right now. He's not done. And you may think the end is near. Hey, guys, the end has been near for a long time. You know what I mean? People say, oh, the end is near. It's getting close. Uh, it's, it's always been close. Close to you and I. Time is not an issue with God. Time's an issue with us. It's always been near. And back then, uh, a psalm was written, Psalm 147. I want you to look at this, 1 through 20. It says, hallelujah, how good it is to sing to our God. For praise is pleasant and lovely. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. See, they were coming back, and they were saying, the Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. He gathers Israel's exiled people. Look what he does. He heals the brokenhearted, and he bandages their wounds. He counts the numbers of stars. He gives names he name to them all. Our God is great. Vast in power, his understanding is infinite. Oh, the Lord helps the oppressed, but brings the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Play the lyre to our God, who covers the sky with clouds, and he prepares rain for the earth, and he causes the grass to grow on the hills, and he provides the animals with their food, and the young ravens, what they cry for. Oh, he's not impressed by the strength of a horse, or he does not value the power of a warrior. The Lord values those who fear him, those who put their hope in his faithful love. Exalt the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. Look at this. For he strengthens the bars of your city gates, and he blesses your children without, uh, within you. He endows your territory with prosperity. He satisfies you with the finest wheat. Look at this. He sends commands throughout the earth, and his, his words run swiftly. He spreads snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He throws his hailstones like crumbs. Who can withstand the cold? He sends his word and melts them. He unleashes his winds and the waters flow. He sends his word and melts them. Look, he unleashes his winds and the waters flow. And he declares the word of Jacob, his statutes and judgments to Israel. He has not done this for every nation. They do not know his judgments. Hallelujah. You ever look up at the clouds and think to yourself? You ought to do it if you haven't done it lately. Look up at the clouds and think to yourself, well, that looks like a giraffe. You ever done that? You go, well, I don't lay on the grass anymore. You need to. Lay on the grass, look up to the clouds. If you haven't done it in a long time, and, and just my, my, me and my girls used to sit down when we were little and we just look up. Go, that looks like this. You know who's doing that? God. You're looking up, and we're looking up for something, and God goes, poof, giraffe. You go, look at giraffe. Look at that heart. And you know what? Let me show you what God's doing. He's making contact all the time. And what this psalm was saying is, while God is mending broken hearts of the Israelites, He's bandaging our wounds. And while he's bandaging some of you, and while he's, uh, he's, he's growing the grass for the cattle, 
He's loving on you and offering your grace. His truth is still going out to people that don't even know him. And while that's going on, he's throwing down hell to the ground. And while that's going on, he makes it snow in other places. While it's hot in another, we take that for granted. You know what that is? That's God. And the next thing is that we have a never-ending storyline to share with others. You know, when we die, we may exhale our last breath. But I look forward to the day that I take the deepest, clearest breath I've ever taken in my life when I see God. And that's what we have to share. That's what we have to tell. And we do it in so many different ways. That's why we long to be with God. It says in Romans 8, 22 through 25, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit of the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves and we're eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with it in patience. Wait for it with patience. We groan because this is not the end of the story for us. Guys, as I close, I want you to know what's important to you is be very careful to say that God's not moving or you don't feel the presence of God. I was at a Sonic one time and this lady pulled up. We had just started the church and I knew her from high school and she said, Pat. I said, hey, and I wrote down my window. She goes, I hear you're starting a church. I said, yeah, we've been going for about two years now. Are y'all a spirit-filled church? And I said, Margie, it depends on what day you come. She said, what? And I said, you know, Margie, I I can't tell you that everybody that comes to the church is spirit-filled because we have lost people coming to our church. But I will tell you this. We hope that every individual will hear Christ and will become spirit-filled the minute that they come to know who Jesus is. God wants to make contact with us. And his spirit lives within us, and that's how he uses us. And there are little things. Everybody look right here. There are little things that most people pass up, most Christians pass up that they really need to pay attention to. Like a thought of somebody. That could be the Holy Spirit telling you, I need you to contact them because that's my truth going out. Writing a letter, sending a text, Stopping by and helping somebody, saying hello to your neighbor. You are points of contact for truth. You know, I won't name the city, but I had left the city where I was a youth minister years ago. And uh, I hadn't talked to this one youth worker in two years, two years. And I just felt this heaviness while I was driving to some speaking engagement. And I just, I thought, Why did they come to my heart? And immediately, I pulled over, and I thought, I'm supposed to call him. I looked at my phone to see if I still had him. I did, and I called him, 
And he answered the phone. He goes, Pat, what are you doing calling me? And I said, I don't know. I just want to make sure you're okay. And he said, I'll call you back in a minute. Please answer. And I said, okay, I'll call you back. And he hung up, and I just sat there and thought, oh, my goodness, what went on? He called me back in about two minutes, just crying. And he said, he said, what did you call me for? And I said, I, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to call you, and it sounds like I was supposed to. What's going on? And he said, Pat, I had just closed the door to a hotel room and was about to have an affair. I said, where are you now? He said, I'm in my car. I told her to go home. What do I do? And I said, you go home and you tell your wife everything. And then I'm going to find you a counselor up there. And their marriage was healed. They've been together. I want to tell you something. Look right here. The spirit made contact with you. And now the spirit says, I want you to make contact with other people. I want you to know that that's what I want to use you for. Many of you are passing up opportunities that you will enjoy seeing lives changed. God calls us, all of us, through the work of the Holy Spirit to share Christ with others. To help others from walking into hell, but also to help Christians from walking into a trap of substance abuse, depression, anger, he uses us to reveal, listen, what we just went through. His never-changing, ever-reaching, ever-loving, never-ending grace and truth with others. Pay attention this week. Pay attention. God wants to use you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for loving us, providing for us. Thank you for your truth. We pray that you'll help us to be points of contact to the saved and the unsaved. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.